Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask today that you would bless the preaching of the word. We thank you for bringing us here safely and that we're warm and dry. Now we turn our eyes to the bread of life and ask that you would speak to us and grow us through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're at. It's where we're been. It's where we're going to stay. We're going to just keep walking verse by verse. I wasn't here last week out of town, and I'm thankful for Troy preaching. I listened to that sermon online. Troy did a great job. He preached verses 13 through 16, the passage where God tells us to be holy as He is holy, God's standard for obedience and what is required of a believer to be holy as He is holy. Troy, thank you for preaching that. Today we will start at verse 17 and go all the way to verse 21. It's been a wild week. What was a snow day turned into a snow week. It's crazy to think that kids missed a whole week of school. And it's also crazy to think that our lives can be so disrupted by some snow in one week. It seems crazy. And I've heard a lot of complaining about the snow, that y'all are tired of the snow, the ice, and the cold weather. But... Uh, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and it doesn't snow like this there, so I've kind of enjoyed it. It's been fun. We've been able to play snowball fights. We've been sledding a couple different times. Three different days we got to go sledding. It's been great. We have, we have liked that, and so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for it. Uh, I saw on the news this morning that they're still considering uh, JCPS's decision is pending for tomorrow morning. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe the snow week is going to continue uh, I don't know, but it has been a crazy week. Um, but I'm thankful to be back, and I'm, I'm thankful also that, that we're able to meet here. And I totally understand that a lot of people couldn't make it. There are probably some people whose driveways and roads are still covered with snow and ice. Um, but we were able to make it, and we're glad to be here. And I'm excited to be back with you all this morning. I look forward to getting into 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter is now going to build on the idea of God's standard of holiness. If we're going to be real Christians that believe the Bible, we must not go away from from what God's truth is. God's standard is holiness. The Bible says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord, the book of Hebrews. And here, Peter says that God says, you must be holy as God is holy. And yet, you and I know that we're not perfect. There's nobody in this room that would say that they're perfect. We know ourselves to be imperfect, and so how does that make sense? Well, I want to tell you from the beginning that it is not for you to ever dismiss, well, he says here, be holy or be perfect, like he's holy and perfect, but you know I'm not, and so you disregard that. No, you should be able to understand what Peter means and what God means in 1 Peter chapter 1 when he says, be holy as I am holy. And we need to bring this into perspective and have some understanding with it, and we'll get this today through verses 17 through 21. I'm going to give you four points. The first, you need to know who you're not. You need to know who you're not. Number two, you need to know who you are. Number three, you need to know whose you are. And number four, you can know whose you are because you know who He is. Pretty simple, pretty simple outline. Who you're not, who you are, whose you are, And you know whose you are because you know who He is. Look with me, if you will, at verse 17. 
And if you call on Him as Father, in other words, He's saying, if you're a Christian, if you're one of those people that call God your Father, if you do that, and then He qualifies what God the Father is like, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We've seen this already in Peter. Peter seems to be jam-packed. He, it's never just like a sentence. There are commas and commas and commas when Peter writes because Peter is saying so much. Peter packs a punch. Peter puts a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology, a lot of good teaching in one single verse. Let's look back at verse 17. We need to know who you're not. Peter reminds, now again, he is talking about God's standard to be holy as God is holy, but he does that, he gets you to think about being holy in light of the idea that God is a judge and He is an impartial judge. Meaning, you should never, ever, ever be thinking, well, He's going to treat me lighter because of how good I am. Or you should never, ever be thinking, well, well I'm one of His people now, so I don't really got to worry about that. No, Peter reminds us with the calling to be a holy people that God is an impartial judge and that He will judge everybody according to your deeds. Let's think about that for a second. Okay? That means that you and I are one day going to stand in judgment and God will deal with us for every word we've said. Big words and short words, mean words, bad words. See, a lot of times people try to get to don't say bad words, and that's hardly it. Mean words are so much worse than bad words. If somebody's ever said a mean, hurtful word to you, you have not forgotten it. Peter's reminding us that God judges impartially. And even the churchgoers, even the Christians will be judged by God. You and I need to know that. Point number one is to remember who you're not. Remember that you are somebody who is not perfect. Remember that you are somebody who has flaws. Remember that you are somebody that when you hear that God is a judge, it means something to you. Being judged by God is something that causes our ears to perk up. It causes us to think, oh man, I've got some areas of my life that I'm not proud of. I've got some things in my past that, that I regret. I've got some things that define me that, 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 that I don't like. And I need to admit those and, and confess those. We, do remember, we need to remember who we're not. We're not these perfect people, these people who are completely clean, these people who have never done anything wrong. We're not that. We need to know that. And Peter reminds us that we're going to be judged. Judged by God. And God judges, judges impartially according to our deeds. Because of that, he says you need to conduct yourselves in such a way. And see, when he starts saying how do you need to conduct yourself, now that starts to make sense with the standard of holiness. You need to conduct yourself in holiness. Why? Because you're mindful that one day God is going to judge you for everything you've done. And He does that impartially. Impartially. 
Then he says that we need to conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile. And then in verse 18 he says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Futile means it's not strong, it's not worthless, it's no good. Or it's worthless. Listen, the people in the past had futile ways, and we've inherited those. Some of us talk just like our fathers. Some of us, our laziness is just like our fathers. Some of our bad attitudes are just like our fathers. And this goes back to our fathers and our grandfathers and all the way back, if you will, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way back, if you will, to Adam and Eve. But those ways are not good ways. Those ways are futile ways. Those are the ways that we've been ransomed from if we're ransomed from if we are in Christ, if we are believers in Jesus. So we need to remember what we're not. We are not these people with past that bring us to God. We are not these people with past that prove that we deserve God. We are not these people with past that have no spots, that have no blemishes. We are a people who have sinned. And Peter's reminding us this. We're not perfect. And since we're not perfect, we need to be a people that don't judge. We need to be a people who realize that Jesus teaches very clearly in the Gospels that you should not be looking at some, the speck in somebody else's eye if you've got a big log or plank in your eye. Why you're worried more about other people than yourself is very much so an ungodly thing. Do you hear me? You should be more worried about you than you are anybody else. And you know what's natural to us is to notice everything wrong with everybody else. We need to remember that we've got our own problems. It may not be the same as somebody else's, but we do. We're not these picture-perfect little people. We're not these goody-goodies. And whether it's on the inside or the outside, I don't know. Maybe it depends on how you're raised. Some of it's on the outside. Some of it's on the inside. Either way, we are not what we're supposed to be, and we need to admit that. You know what happens at our house all the time? The kids fight like crazy. I mean, like play fight, like have fun, wrestle, warriors, stuff like that. They do it all the time, and if I'm trying to watch a ball game, they need to get out of the way. But what happens sometimes is they realize that it's easy to beat up Noah because, you know, J.J. and Eli are kind of the same size big boys, and Noah's only four, and if they're, if they're feeling like it's been a struggle for a little bit, then we'll just beat up little Noah. And when I have to always break in and stop that. And I say, listen, that's so weak. That's chump stuff. Anybody can beat up a small person. Anybody, you don't do that. If you want to be tough, if you want to prove that you're a winner or something, JJ, go fight Eli. Eli, go fight JJ. See how long that lasts. They're both going to end up hurt. But I tell them, don't go pick on the little person. What is that? It's so easy to find somebody that you're better than or think that you're better than and just beat them down. Listen, it's so easy to be a high school kid and go find the kid that's all messed up and say, well, man, I'm doing pretty good. They got some bad kids at this school. What is that? We need to remember who we're not. We are not the standard at all. We're not. Jesus is. The holiness of God is the standard. And we, of all people, should be the ones that understand that. And so we should live like, hey, I'm not the standard. Hey, I'm not perfect. Hey, I'm not better than you. We need to know what we're not. You go fight somebody bigger than you and you'll learn real quick that you're not the best. 
That's why in sports you should never get overly confident. There's always somebody better than you. We need to have our sight on God and not other people so that we realize who we're not. We're not God. He says this because he reminds us that we're going to be judged by God. He reminds us that we are saved away from our sins. We are saved away from futile living. We are saved away from living as sinners the way everybody in our past has lived as sinners. And we need to be saved, ransomed, brought out of that, set free from that. And that's what he's talking about. Number one, we, didn't, we need to know who we're not. But number two, we need to know who we are. You need to know who you are. And to that, he says... In verse 18, that you were ransomed. Ransomed means that you are what I just talked about. Ransom means that you, you have a life of sin. Ransom means that deep down inside of you is a sinful heart or a prone to wander or a, a condition of toward disobedience. You are still in the flesh and sinful. And yet ransom means that God came and scooped you up and brought you out of that. I loved it when Lecrae said, I ain't the standard at all, wouldn't claim to be, but since Christ snatched me up, there's been a lot of change in me. In other words, God ransomed me up and brought me here and set me free, and I'm not now what I used to be. So I understand now who I am. Not as the good person, not as the person who's never messed up, but the ransomed person. The person who is now living in light of God doing something to me. Not the person that is just living better than everybody else. The person who is living in light of God doing something to me. To confuse that and to not understand that misses the whole point of Christianity, what it means to be the people of God, and what it means to be the church. We are not people who are better than anybody else. You might say we're worse than everybody else. But we are those that have the power of God working in us. He ransomed us up. We need to know who we are. Ransom people. We need to know who we are in the eyes of God. Now think about this. He says that you were ransomed from your futile ways. It means we used to be sinful. We used to have a way of life or a direction of life. Or maybe what Paul says, we just read about this, an aim of life, which he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He tell, Paul tells Timothy that you know my aim of life. We used to have a direction of life, a way of life, an aim of life that was futile. It was going to lead us nowhere. We were going to be the rich man perishing with all this money. We were going to be the proud man perishing in all this pride. We were going to be the wise man perishing with all of this wisdom, but getting us nothing until God ransomed us. But now we see ourselves through the eyes of God. We see ourselves not as good people, but as forgiven people. We see ourselves not as lovable people, but as loved people, loved by God. Not as holy people, but as forgiven people. And maybe then is holy, washed in the blood of Christ. We need to know who we are. Ransomed. We need to think more about who we are in God than we think about who we are. Let me say that again. We need to think about more of who we are in God, by God, touched by God, ransomed by God, impacted by God, changed by God, than we do just by ourselves. There should never be a time when you think about you just as you. You should always think about you in light of God working in you. Always. Never, ever, ever allow your mind to wander into who is Josh. Don't think about who, who, who you are just in and of yourself. 
Always think about yourself. And you should be self-reflective. And when you think about yourself, you should be thinking, who am I in light of God, in light of who God is, in light of what God does, in light of, in light of how God ransoms, changes, saves, forgives. Who am I in light of that? What do I look like? How do I live? How do I walk? How do I talk? How do people perceive me? All that. In light of God. You'll go down a bad path, weird path, a self-absorbed path, if all you're doing is thinking about you apart from the work of God. We've been ransomed. And since we have been ransomed, he now talks about the Christian life and who we are. Look at this. As the time of our exile. Peter calls life the time of our exile. Peter so thinks that we are connected to God that life is exile. And therefore, real life, eternal life, is the main thing. When you're ransomed, you start to think that way. When you don't know that this is your exile, you start thinking that this is it. You start thinking this is the most important part. You start thinking that this is the ultimate. It's not. Peter says it's time of our exile. If you don't get this thought of time of our exile, then a lot of things in the Bible don't make sense to you. Time of our exile means I've been ransomed. I used to live this way. I used to be okay with sin. I used to think that I had to preserve me and my image and my reputation at all cost. I used to think that I had to live it up here and try to get every pleasure in. I used to think that I had to love the world. But God ransomed me. God brought me to Christ. God showed me something better. God showed me that God is the most satisfying thing, that He's my treasure. God showed me that Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy this heart. He ransomed me and put me in this position. And so everything that's over there, whether it be Disney World vacations or whether it be retirement or whatever else it may be, that's the time of exile. I'm going to view it as exile because I know something better now. Yes, I can enjoy this. Yes, I love family time. Yes, I'm thankful for that big hill at Tom Wallace where i got to take my kids sledding. But it's not the most important thing to me. This is the time of my exile. That might be taken away from me or from my kids. That's the most important thing. God ransomed me from that to this. Here's what life's all about. Life's about God. Life's about His glory. Life's about me living holy in a way that shows that life's about God. I've been ransomed to understand this. This is what he's saying. And we need to know this. We need to be living like time of our exile. You need to have it in your, in your vocabulary, in the way that you think about yourself. This is just the time of our exile. If you don't understand time of our exile, guess what? The beheading of Christians has no... No fit in your mindset. You have no understanding of, of that video that's been all over the news. But if it's true in 1 Peter 1 that this is just the time of our exile, then those guys are better off now. The exile's over. They're home. They're free. They're good. You could say, now listen to me, those guys are better off right now than they ever could have been. That's what Peter believes. And he's challenging us Christians to believe that with him. He's challenging us to be people of the book, people of God, people of the Word of God who say, yes. Now, I'm not hoping to go out here and get killed today for it. 
But if I was to get killed today for it, the Bible tells me that the exile has ended and I'm better off now. That's the way Peter wants me to think. He's writing to those who are being persecuted. Remember, he called them elect exiles in chapter 1, verse 1. We started with that weeks ago. That's what he called them. He wants these people to get whatever happens to you over here, that's okay. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. We need to remember who we are. We are ransomed people. Exiles. Living in exile. This is the time of our exile. There's something better for us. Heaven's better for us. With God is for us. No sin is better for us. We know that. We want to live with that in mind. That mindset will help you deal with struggles. If struggles are too much for you, then you've forgotten that you're a ransomed exile. You need to read the Bible and understand what 1 Peter says. Hardship, loss of loved ones, struggles in this life, loneliness, frustrations, not having all the worldly treasures and pleasures like you see some people having. That shouldn't be causing your life to go so up and down when you remember that you're in ransomed exile. That's all right, I'll endure this. Soon and very soon, I'll be there. Soon and very soon, I'll be right there. This is the message of the Bible through and through. That we can handle suffering because this is temporary. It's just a little exile for us. But Suffering is hard. But when you see ourselves in the eyes of God, we have understanding for it. Number one, we need to know who we're not. We're not the standard and we're not perfect. Number two, we need to know who we are. We need to see ourselves in the eyes of God as ransomed. We know that we are living in exile, that we have a category for what we deal with in this life, because this is not our home. Jesus himself said that my kingdom is not of this world. So if you're going to be a child of the king and be in the king's kingdom, it's not this world. It's something else. And we know that. Number three, we need to know who we're not. We need to know who we are. We need to know who's we are. Look at verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Okay, we're ransomed. But how? Not from our futile ways and not with perishable things such as silver or gold. It's not our success. Okay? We need to make sure. Okay, we need to make sure. Especially if you're, you know middle class or upper class or you got it going on or life's been good to you, you need to make sure that you know and therefore you can help everybody else know that what you mean when you say you're a child of God is not at all that you've earned something. i got a great mom and dad. None of them went to college, my mom or dad. But I was able to go to college. I was able to go to grad school. I'm able now to have a good job. Life's been good for me. That hadn't brought me one inch closer to God. I need to remember that. It might have helped me with life. It didn't help me with God. The blood of Jesus and the grace of God is what brings us to God. We need to make sure that is what we know and that is what we live. It is not gold or silver or anything futile that has ransomed us. No, not at all. 
Verse 19 says, We were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. When we are a sinful people, we have to be right with God. And sinful people cannot get right with God on their own doing. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 specifically said, not of your own doing. Not of your own doing. Not of your own doing. You've been saved, but not of your own doing is what the Bible says. What was it? It was the blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. Because here's what happened. God hates our sins. And our sins must be dealt with. And so God takes the perfect Son, Jesus, that is like the perfect and spotless Lamb, and God sacrificed His Son Jesus for us. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, God's wrath killed Jesus. But God was pleased to do that, not because it was just a death, but it was the perfect, spotless, holy, sacrificial death. Jesus satisfied God's anger towards sin so that you and I could be free. Our death could not do that. Jesus was able to do that for us. And that's what Peter is saying here, that what made us ransomed, what helps us understand who we are, is knowing that Jesus did that for us. We are people who have been washed by the blood of Christ when we trust in Christ. We need to remember whose we are. There should never, ever, ever be a time which you think of yourself or view yourself, both your obedience that is good and holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, or your disobedience, which grieves God, which is against God and does not please Him. Either one, your obedience or your disobedience. There should never be a time that you think about that ever, 24-7, in which the blood of Christ is not binding upon that thought. Who am I, both good or bad, both obedient or disobedient, in light of the shed blood of Christ? Because thinking about ourselves apart from the shed blood of Christ will get us nowhere. We will not be the people of God if we are seeing ourselves apart from redemption in Christ. Jesus died to ransom us. Jesus died to end the exile. Jesus died to make us those that are His. We are right with God because of the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We need to be people who know whose we are. We are God's children through Christ. And you can never think of yourself apart from the through Christ. Do you know whose you are? Can you think about yourself at all times with whose you are? I recently got to go to Isaac's school when he was signing his scholarship to go to Berea, where Isaac's going to play soccer. And I've been to college signings before, but they did something that I don't think that I've seen before. They made each person, they had like several football players, and I think a girl who swam, and, and Isaac playing soccer. They had all of them up on stage. And they made each one stand up with a microphone and give a speech after they signed with college. So I thought, okay, let's see how Isaac does. Big old full auditorium, Manuel's got a big auditorium. And I thought, let's see how this goes. See if Isaac knows how to talk in front of people. And Isaac stands up there, and of course he was nervous, and he did a great job of honoring his mom. He went on and on about his mom. Isaac wasn't raised with a dad, and so he talked about that and gave a shout-out to his mom. But Isaac, Isaac ended it by saying, 
But I wouldn't be any of this were it not for God and His grace in my life. I wouldn't be a man, I wouldn't be a student, I wouldn't be graduating, I certainly wouldn't play sports, I wouldn't be able to do anything were it not for the grace of God in my life. And I was proud that day. Because this is what Peter wants us to know. We ought to always see ourselves in light of whose we are. When I was in high school, I went to a public high school and I played basketball. When I was in high school, on game day, coach said we had to dress up. Now, we didn't have to wear a suit or anything like that, but we had to at least look sharp, wear pants and tuck in your shirt on game day. We had to do that at my school. And one day we had a game, I think, you know, 7 o'clock or something that night, and school got out at 3 o'clock or something like that. And so I was going to go see my mom up at her work. wanted to go see her. I I don't know why I would have wanted to go see her. Maybe I needed some money or something like that. But I wanted to go see her nevertheless. So I called her at work and said, I'm going to come see you. She said, okay, great. I can't, can't wait to see you. And got off the phone. And, and like seconds later, the phone rang right back. And I picked it up and she said, don't you dare come up here looking like a bum. So I talked to her. I was excited about coming. She was excited about me coming. I guess she hung up a little too fast before she thought about it. She called me right back and said, Josh, don't you dare come up here looking like a bum. I've never forgotten that. She's proud for me to be her son. She's proud for me to come see her at work. But she don't want me to misrepresent her and how she's raised me. Don't you come up here looking like something I'm not proud of. I've never forgotten that. She wanted me to represent her well. My mom raised me well. And she didn't want me to ruin that at her work. She wanted me to look the way she wanted me to look. She wanted me to dress the way looks presentable in front of her coworkers. She wanted me to not be thinking, Josh, 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 Josh. She wanted me to be thinking, Sherry's son, Sherry's son, Sherry's son. Peter says, Christians, you're always washed in the blood. Washed in the blood. Washed in the blood. Never, ever think about yourself apart from the blood. It cost Jesus his life. It was the plan of God and the will of God to crush his son for us. How dare we think about our obedience or our disobedience without that? Know whose you are. We are Jesus's. We are ones who the Lamb died for. We are forgiven and children of God ransomed because of Him. Number one, we know what we're not. Number two, we know who we are. Number three, we know whose we are. And lastly, number four, because we know who He is. Verse 20 says, See, here's what Peter's going to do. And this is what I was saying about how he gets technical. He's already told us that we were saved because of Jesus and His blood. But now he's just going to spend verses 20 and 21 telling us more about Him. Verse 20, He, that's Jesus, that's the, that's the, the Lamb that was slain, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He's telling us that it was God's plan to do this. 
But he was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. In other words, this, this happened. This is a real thing that happened. It wasn't just a plan. It's not something that you and I look back to as, I don't know what it was, but it was a long time ago. We're trying to remember that. This week I had my kids ask me what President's Day was because Monday was President's Day. And they asked me what President's Day was. I said, I'm not exactly sure. It's a holiday for the presidents. Let's look up President's Day. I got to show my kids how to use Google. And we typed in, what is President's Day? And it says, George Washington's birthday, and it's the day we celebrate all of the presidents. Pretty simple. We're not to look at the, 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 the coming of Christ as something that happened a long time ago. We're to look at it as the plan of God that actually came to fruition. It happened, and it happened for our sakes. That's what Peter's saying. He was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. For our sake, for their sake. Verse 21. Who through Him are believers in God. That's whose you are. Through Him is the only way that we're believers in God. We could not be a believer in God apart from Him. Look what it says. He talks about God now. Who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus left glory. You ever thought about it like that? Jesus is God. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. He's always been. He's God. Jesus is. And yet He left heaven and came to earth. And then He left the holy relationship that He has with the Father and the Holy Spirit and took on our sins and died for us. But here Peter says that one of the things that God did is God raised him from the grave and put him back in his glorious position. And the Bible teaches us that right now, Jesus has ascended up into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, back like everything is all good with him and the Father. He is completely holy, completely glorious. And he's just there. And he's telling us that God did that so that your faith and hope are in God. Listen, folks. Don't let the world tell you something. Don't let people out there who don't have their lives together in, 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 as far as what they believe about Christ try to lead you other way. Listen, if you don't understand the person and work of Christ, God's love, God's plan, Christ coming, Christ living, Christ dying, Christ being buried, Christ raising, Christ ascending, if you don't understand this stuff about Jesus for the ransoming of the people of God, then you cannot do the end of verse 21. You cannot have your faith and hope in God. Folks, there is no faith and hope in God apart from the ransoming, redeeming work of Jesus. What He did was satisfy the wrath of God and save the people for the worship of God. You've got to understand this. We finished reading a, a book this week. We had a lot of time in the house to read with the kids. So we went back to one of our old Bibles, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is one of my favorites. I've recently given some of y'all the Jesus Storybook Bible. Hope that you're reading it. So we're going to read it again. So we started reading it, and just the other night, maybe just last night, we're sitting on the couch, I'm reading it with all the kids. It's talking about early creation and how powerful God is. And then it gets to the, the, the part on Adam and Eve and how they sinned and, and how God dealt with their sin and God told them to leave the Garden of Eden, but God did not just kick them out. God's not a kicker-outer. God deals with people. God never is just done with somebody. God deals with people. 
It says that as they were leaving the garden, he put them in skins. In other words, he had killed something to give them clothing because it wasn't good for them to be walking around naked. And J.J. says, Dad, since God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just get rid of the sin? You may have asked that before. God's plan is not to create a good world. Some of y'all think it is. God's plan is not to create this good world. God's plan is to have people who love Him and worship Him and bow down before Him and say, you're worthy, God. God's plan is to have people that stand in awe of Him. God's plan is to have people who sing from the depths of their heart, how great thou art. And you know what's the best way to make that happen? It's for you to be lost in your sins, broken and needy, knowing you don't deserve God. And then watch God the Father come running to your rescue and ransom you and say, I'll get you out of that exile. Come be mine. I got to explain that last night to my boys. I got to say, God didn't just make this life for you. He didn't just make me your daddy so that we'll have an awesome time playing sports, although we love that. He made me your daddy so that you and I would stand before him and worship him. God didn't bring us to Fairdale just so that life would be all good and dandy. And it, and it is, but that's not why. God brought us here so that we would worship him. I got to explain that to my kids. Peter says, all of that happened. It was God's plan before the foundation of the world. He killed him. The blood of Christ. He raised him from the dead. He gave him back his glory. Why? So that your faith and hope are in God. Folks, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, for as hard as it might be, or for as good and smooth as it might be, Focus on Jesus. Know that you're ransomed through Christ. And let your faith and hope be in Him and Him alone. If you don't know that you're ransomed and you've never believed on Christ, do it today. Be saved from your sins today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for 1 Peter 1. Peter is teaching us a lot. God, our identity must be in who we are in light of you. That means we know who we're not. That means we know who we are. That means we know whose we are because we know who you are. God, work this in us. And on a day, God, where we thought about not coming because of the weather. And on a day, God, where we thought it might be too cold or too icy to come. Now at the end of it, God, we're glad that we have been here. I think you're working even on a snow day in our hearts. We want to be people like 1 Peter. We want to be people, God, where if it comes time for us to face persecution, we know why. We know how to find comfort in it. God, I pray that those that are here today are strengthened. And I pray if somebody's never been saved, then they would today. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.